Hello and welcome to the Love Boat of Vikings podcast. I'm your host, Matt Johnson. With me is the whole gang. We got a Preet, a Tyler, and a Carter. And your Minnesota Vikings just got TJ Hawkinson from the Lions. They traded a 2023 second round pick and a 2024 third round pick for TJ Hawkinson, a tight end from Detroit, and a fourth round pick in return. Let's talk about this right right away because it's a huge move. Deadline trade day was today, so we'll talk about that. Preet, what are your first impressions? Well, we also got a conditional force for 2024, but uh, I'm I'm really happy with it. You know, tight end was a position of need. Irv was not filling that role well. Johnny Munt, he's good, but he only has so many limitations. You know, he can't do everything. Shout out to him for catching his first touchdown of his career, so that was nice. But uh, loved the – the wide receiver market was really expensive. You could see that with the Claypool deal. And he's elite with uh, yards after the catch. Um, Hawkinson is. He has already, coming and joining our team, he's only the third player with over 100 yards after a catch. He has 209. Jefferson has 343. And Cook has 134. So he's good at yards after the catch. In contested catch, he has five receptions on nine targets. The Vikings pass catchers combined have nine reception on 29 targets in uh, contested situations. And on targets, 10 yards uh, plus through the areas, 14 targets, seven receptions, 156 yards and 55 yards after the reception with two catches. So he's the most talented wide receiver we've had in a long time or tight end we've had in a long time. And I'm really happy with the trade. I give it an A plus. I think it's super good because you mistakenly called him a wide receiver, but that's not entirely wrong. He's he's a good receiver and I think in the offense that we kind of gathered from what we've seen Kevin O'Connell do with his time in Washington and then with the Rams, he runs that 11 personnel. It's really important to have an athletic tight end, I think. It's an option that can create mismatches against linebackers. Um, Hawkinson's a good blocker. It's going to elevate our run game. There's a lot of good factors. Tyler, when you heard the news, how surprised were you? Because I don't think Hawkinson was on many people's radars for someone the Vikings would target. I was very surprised. Like the only tight end that was really brought or the only two that I can remember that were brought up in trade talks were like Mike Gesicki or yep. Albert. I'm not even going to pronounce that last name because I, I'd botch it, but <laughs> the tight <laughs> end from the that. Broncos who's not getting any work in whatsoever. So like TJ Hawkinson was not on the radar, but I'm thrilled that we got him. Like, <laughs> you know, he's, just such a versatile player you know he can he's going to help both the pass game and the run game i'm really excited to see what he does the run game because that's going to be a huge boost with some blocking and it'll be able to create these mismatches we haven't been able to before because it's either munt or it's irv and the defense knows what we're going to do except for that sneaky touchdown we got with munt that was a good play but yeah Yeah, you don't have to take hawkinson off the field on right play you do with irv i was just going to say it's a i mean this deal Hawkinson effectively becomes your wide receiver too, in my opinion, somewhat. Carter, what do you think about that? That I mean, it's not a terrible take, but it might be a little well, especially since we didn't get a wide receiver like people. Were he becomes your second best pass catcher. Let me put it like that. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, Carter, what do you see here? Um, nonetheless, of how the metrics will work out with his actual role, I think my biggest takeaway is this is a winning a winning move that a winning team made. Uh, you would have a huge issue on the team that being tied in. Like Preet said earlier, Irv Smith's not feeling it. Johnny Munt is doing the best of what he is capable of doing. And you go out and get a good tight end who is arguably being limited by the system that he was in. And for really not that steep of a price. And 
get some philosophy like the Rams going, but don't screw over your whole future by, you know, getting rid of every single first round pick. I love this. I think it's going to be a great, great, great fit. And I think he's fairly similar to Kyle Rudolph. And so I think it's going to be pretty good for Kirk Cousins to have there. That. There was the tweet that said, basically, you traded all this for a young Kyle Rudolph. But that, that that's not a bad thing. That was you know? Peter Bukowski. Why would you want yeah. that? Yeah, that's Peter great. Bukowski. He was a uh, Packers uh, writer. He just wanted to shit on the Vikings. Yeah, right. Tyler, you'd want to I don't even that. see how that's shitting on them. That's like no, it's, that's the thing. It's a great it's a great asset to have if it's a young Kyle Rudolph. Yeah, Tyler. I think another thing we have to keep in mind from a cap perspective too is like Hawkinson's still on his rookie contract. So hypothetically, we can still move money around with just some of these like contracts we currently have and clear up enough space to get someone like Odell Beckham Jr. Or at the very least, maybe Nadamik and Sue would be good too. So don't think the Vikings are done yet because they they have options to add more players as I think crazy on their Super Bowl run. Yeah. Some of his moves have been so surprising, but like efficient that, you know, it's definitely possible to add another free agent before we, you know, wrap up this season, especially since we're in such a good position division wise. I mean, the Packers have no chance of catching up, which is wonderful. It's such a that's like a weight off my shoulders that we actually are like disappointed when the team gets a win because there's nothing else to worry about. I think that's part of it. You know what I mean? Matt, you got to knock on wood for us real quick after you said the Packers. Yeah, thank you. Um, I was just going to say. Carter said, like, it's kind of a Ramsian move and, like, just going for it. I feel like it's kind of the opposite, too, because he's only 25. He's still, like, he still has a good five, six, seven, maybe even eight years left in him at tight end. This could be your tight end of the future, and you're getting him for a pretty decent price. You're getting two fourth-round picks in return. We didn't have a fourth-round pick, mind you, from the Caleb Evans trade. We got a fourth-round pick back. We gave up a second and a third, and, you know, those are best lottery picks, and Hawkinson's already a proven deal, so that's I think it's a – I think it's a move for both now and for the future as well. He could be him and Jefferson could be the future pass catchers on this offense. I think I think I kind of mean it more from the Ramsian perspective of valuing a current player's value more than yeah. The move was pretty Ramsian because that's the whole my thing with it is like you know not to bring up the Bears trade or anything, but the Bears traded a second for Chase Claypool, and how many second round picks are going to end up being better than Chase Claypool? Now, granted, that's a steep price in itself for what some people actually do do it, but in fairness, let's look at how many second round draft picks there are and have right. over the last few years, and how many more have produced more than Chase Claypool. It's I love I've always looked at it, but certain people don't have that same perspective on it. That trade was really interesting because. I don't know if they're gearing up for next year or if they're trying to compete the rest of the year for maybe a wild card spot because you trade away your 25-year-old two-time Pro Bowl linebacker for a second. Yeah, it is a late second. It's, yeah, it's going to be a late second. Then you trade away your early second for a guy who has never eclipsed a, thousand, eclipsed a thousand yards to be your guy for the future. It kind of makes no sense, but hey, do what I, you do. Let I think go. for the Bears, it's just about uh, the development of fields. You get someone he can just constantly throw to. And I think that'll help him grow as a passer. It's, I don't think the bears are a year away from competing and I don't think they think that either. So I think it's all about fields. Yeah. They're hoping he turns into like Jalen hurts or um, Kyler Murray in some sense. Like they both started slow. Well, Kyler Murray, not so much. Kyler, but, not really. He won rookie of the year. Right. But the whole idea <laughs> that they'll become, starter quality even though they had no faith in hurts for the eagles but whatever 
Um, great trade in my opinion. I think good value. Who cares about those picks? I love what Carter said. If we had the Rams direction of trading these picks for guaranteed successful players who can play in the league, I think that's a complete W. Um, and, how and, often, and we're keeping our first round pick. Like we're not selling everything. Yeah. And how often during the season, like in the, during the trade deadline, do you acquire a player who's top six at his position? Right. I think it's win, win, win for all leaning Vikings favors. Um, Such we don't know what's going to happen with the lions though. Like it's really a weird, weird player to get rid of. If they're going to blow it all up, he could be a cornerstone. All right, let's move on. We talked about the trade, breaking news, but we still have a game to review. The Vikings just beat the Cardinals. Um, do you guys have the score handy? I want to start bringing that 34 up. to 28. 34 to 28. No, Vikings no, 26, 26. 34, 26? Yeah. So it's kind of a close score, but the game, the Vikings were kind of in control the whole time, I think, which once they had the lead, they kept it. For the most part, at least the wait, they lost the lead once, right? Yeah, they lost. They were down 17 to 14 one time. I think. Right. And then they kept it ever since then, which is something they haven't really done. Um, I think the Cardinals are probably the second best team they faced. Is that fair to say? Uh, Hoff, I'd still go the Packers, even though they're not. Mm, I think the Cardinals are better than the Packers. I don't think so. I mean, you, I mean, the Packers can still get it done. They, hung tight with the bills for a little bit there well nonetheless we beat a decent team and it actually like went away that felt it made me feel confident in the vikings for the first time this season and pre let's start with you i just is it inspiring that the game win is expected that we actually won and hang hung on or are you still worried because we didn't dominate the cardinals I mean, kind of a little bit of both. Cardinals are obviously a hard team. When you face any team with uh, DeAndre Hopkins, Rondell Moore, Kyler, They're definitely tricky. Yeah, yeah. If you take them lightly, they'll come out and smack you in the mouth. But that third quarter kind of scared me a little bit. But And that Greg Joseph missed PAT to make it a, it a one-score game. I was like, uh. But, you know, we won in the trenches, which is something I haven't said very often these last two years before mm-hmm. this season, which is incredible because if you – other than Ed Ingram, I think everyone on the offensive line had a great day. And, I mean, they were just targeting Ed Ingram on almost every single pass rush. But if you look like Christian Darius's anchor is incredible. Like, the scheme's really starting to suit him. And Zadarius Smith made, like, Zadarius Smith and even Daniel Hunter, because they both got four pressures each, they both made Kyler Murray's day hell. And he, weirdly enough, didn't run the ball as much, which kind of upset me because I want, and that's going to be weird, because I want to see how. I, I think they contained him well. They did, but. I wanted to see him scramble out of the pocket and see how this team would handle a running quarterback. They didn't do the job versus hers. I wanted to see any tweaks or updates, but uh, yeah, it was, it was a great game. The only thing I'd say is I, I want to give props to the defense because Kirk Cousins on that fumble, you'd assume that that team's going to put it away. The Cardinals are going to, you know, score seven. The defense held them to three. So great job there. And yeah, and they're also the defense special teams were both very opportunistic. Two picks, they uh, jumped on a uh, Greg Deutsch's fumble on the punt. So, Greg pretty Deutsch. solid game all around. I'm gonna correct you when I can because you usually correct me, Deutsch. Uh, Tyler, would you break down what you saw a little bit? I I was watching replay today, and I'm like, a lot happened that game, and it was a good game because of it. But it's like, 
I don't know. I I, I want to hear your guys' summaries so I can really say how I feel about it. There was a lot that happened in that game, and it's yeah. a lot to digest. But to summarize, it almost felt like it went as expected. There mm-hmm. are a lot of like events in the game that made it dramatic, but that's that's Vikings football this year. You know, you gain control early in the game, then you start to see it slip away, and then you find some ways to sort of get back in it, in it whether it be fluky or not. Like, you know, when we, you know, recovered the muffed punt, like no one was expecting that. So at the end of the day, we won by like a score. So, and it was against a really talented Cardinals team. So, you know, it's another win for the Vikings and it gives them some credibility, I think, in the eyes of the national media. Yeah, and I think big thing is the Vikings came out in the third quarter and actually scored. That's been a problem all year. And the fact that they scored as much or more than Arizona every single quarter was big for us. Yeah, Preet. I just want to say, I want to give, you know, Kevin O'Connell is a play caller, came out after the bye, and he lit that defense on fire. I was kind of nervous to see what he'd do out of the bye. That's what I was saying, dude. This team needed the bye so bad, and I think I was right. Yeah, and his play calling took it to another level. And even Dalvin Cook, how many times have we said, why are you running Dalvin Cook through the Middle East, an outside guy? Him running on the outside this game, he he shredded like a top three rushing defense in the NFL and the Cardinals. So incredible play calling and incredible work by even Cook in the running game, taking a load off Cousins, who also showed he could get it done with his legs in that first drive. Carter, what were you impressed by in the win from the Vikings? First of all, I don't think I can state enough how big of a win I think this actually was. You know, the Cardinals didn't have the best record. They were coming in with a pretty good amount of momentum from that game against the Saints. You don't want to play the Cardinals with momentum. But I do really want to point out how much I think we nailed this game on the last podcast because Kyler didn't run as much. And I think if he did run a lot more, I think the Vikings probably would have lost that game. You know, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but DeAndre Hopkins had 12 receptions on the day. I mean, good grief. Something like that. He owned Dantzler. It was ridiculous. And I think a lot of that, Kyler had situations that he could run, but however, he didn't take off and he chose to throw the ball to his favorite wide receiver. And, you know, I think my biggest takeaway isn't really anything new that I could say. But the Vikings are winning games, and last year this would have been a game that they lost, an absolute heartbreak, and we wouldn't be having the same discussion right now. Like, there's a lot to critique, but at the end of the day, 6-1 and one sounds just insane to say. Also, I'd like to quickly note, Kirk probably didn't have his best Kirk game, but personally, when I went back and watched the highlights, I was really impressed by his pocket movement. He had a lot of highlights. I will say there were some lowlights too. So if you watch the highlights, you're going to miss out some of the mistakes, but he did have a pretty good game. Yeah. The one play that uh, wowed me the most is just he stepped up into the pocket as the rush was coming in. That's exactly what I really noticed. Like you, you could talk about his running touchdown but him mm-hmm. playing the pocket well like he did week one was absolutely huge for me. And he's oh, kind of getting some of his confidence real. back. Yeah, I really, really like to see it because, you know, the O-line has, still has its shaky points, even though I think it's overall been a good movement. So he's going to need to do more stuff like that in the future. And that one play that's just sticking to my mind is Dalvin Cook in the flat. Kirk steps up and gets to him, goes for a first down. Just loved it. That was my biggest takeaway is I think we're seeing a better Kirk slowly come out. Tyler, I have a what a question for you, Carter? What's up? You like that? 
<laughs> you Clearly like that? <laughs> you like that? <laughs> More like that. Uh, Tyler, what do we have to do with our kicker? It's tough because, weirdly enough, my problem isn't that he like he'll miss the extra point at a pretty I mean, high that's rate. a problem. I mean, that's the problem in itself, but it's he's starting to lose confidence. I noticed that even with kicks he made, they just didn't really look like they were for sure going in. Like, just like the accuracy was off, and that worries me. Kevin O'Connell has been <laughs> really trying to encourage him to just, you know, keep your head up. You know, you got one more in you, but how far can you go with Greg Joseph? Because this is a team that gets in a lot of one score games and wins them, but we can't be in the playoffs and lose a game by three because Greg Joseph missed a kick that he should have made. So you really got to evaluate that. And the question becomes, is there someone in free agency who can make those kicks? If I'm really honest, I don't know if there is. I don't think Rodrigo Blankenship is the answer. I mean, yeah, he wasn't very good. In his he state, had but... struggles. He was good with the Colts, but he had some injuries and he hasn't been really himself since. Um, he should probably stay at home and play with his Legos, you know. But. Do you guys have any solutions? I don't know. I like Legos. That wasn't really a diss at him. I just know that's what oh, he Legos does. are awesome. Yeah, no, what, I just know that's what he likes to like do. What are even, like, the available pre-agent kickers? That's what I want to know. What about is, like... The guy um, we had from Oklahoma during uh, training camp for that, like, cup of coffee, Greg Beckicker? Who's like uh Gabe Burkick? Oh, Burkick, maybe? Burkick? Yeah. yeah, that guy? Something like that. What, no, about, what about that big boy? The guy that used to be on the Bengals? What's his name? He can match um, Ryan Wright. You know who I'm talking about? No. The really big kicker, Bullock. Isn't it Bullock? Randy, Randy Bullock. Bullock. Is he still in the league? I think he's uh, inside somewhere. Because he was huge, and he could match Ryan Wright on that special teams big uh, I'm boy. Googling it right now. NFL I've got the answer. He is a, he's on the Titans. No, we need someone to match Ryan Wright's energy, I think. Someone Give who can me bomb one it. second. I'm... I'm... I'm investigating this. I want to know the names. Is Bullock. It, 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 I don't it think, Bullock. It's Bullock. It's Bullock. Well, well, no, not even about that. Just like free agent kickers that are available. Because like I, I don't mean, it's not the most glamorous that, topic, but like we're not going to win a playoff game. It's going to be the curse that comes back every year. Like 99% of the time, Tyler, these like free agent kickers come out of the woods. You won't know who it is beforehand. They work insurance jobs. Or it's like a rookie free agent jobs. that never caught onto a team or something. Yeah. Right. I would like to add before we move on to a much more interesting topic. I don't know, dude. Kicking's a hot topic for. Oh, Vikings I hate fans. you're talking to a former kicker right now. But <laughs> Connor, Connor, I know your place. Connor, know your place. I'm sorry, Connor. Connor. But however, Tyler a few episodes ago chose to criticize Greg Joseph, and Cree <laughs> and Matt both got on him. And I just want to say, I think Tyler's now having the last laugh. And I also am convinced that Greg Joseph is one of our 50 listeners to this podcast because he heard Tyler criticize him. He got all in his head. Now Tyler's messing They up. were babying him. Kevin O'Connell was doing the nice treatment, the anti-Zimmer, and then he heard Tyler and completely broke down. Yeah, Tyler I mean, had a big impact. I don't trust those Vikings kickers. It's, you know. What if we... Uh, First round pick for uh, Jay Tuck. Uh, Jay Tuck. Why not? No. Well, no. I you don't mean, think he's worth a first rounder. Deadline, if he but here's an interesting every... thing I did find. 
and I'm not going to spend too much time on this because we're talking. You about better kickers. not, but let's go. But, let's okay, next year, next year, unrestricted free agents at the kicker position. Mason Crosby, Robbie. No, Gold, this means nothing. Matt this Prater, nothing. Greg Zerline, <laughs> another no. Greg. Uh, Greg Joseph's a free agent. Keep that in mind. Matt Gay. They're all returning Maybe. to their former team or they're getting retiring. Tyler, side rant number three. Okay. Sorry, yeah, Tyler. Right. I think we're going to Point move is, <laughs> we might need another kicker. I think we're better off with a rookie, to be honest. But let's oh, not. Why don't you bring up Mason Crosby? The man. No. Who... Well, we did get Ryan Longwell years ago from the Packers. Yeah, but Ryan Longwell was like 30. Mason Crosby's like a World War II veteran at this point. He's old enough to remember. Age. He's old enough to remember when the Packers were good. Wow. I mean, last year. Last year. You know, Chase <laughs> hey, McLaughlin hey, was hey, kind of me... nice when we had him. Let me take my shots of the Packers, dog. We we have all year to do it. I promise you, um, Matt. I don't know. Don't say that. Knock on wood again, bro. Packers are washed. No, every single time we say Packers this, Packers are a poverty franchise. Unfortunately, all right. Uh, Brandon Cooks was just practically begging to get shipped out of Houston. That's another thing too. And just like, what does that have to do? Right there for him. We were we were not talking about anything like that. Yeah. Now the whole audience. No, Tyler. You're just going to derail chose, like, us again? No, you're not derailing us again. Yeah, didn't we say we were going to ignore that topic? You, you guys want to talk <laughs> about long snappers next? Okay, so the defense, just go, completely Jack. moving on. The defense, wow, this is actually harder transition than I thought from that. Refresh. Okay, the defense playing against the Cardinals. We had a pretty good game defensively. I think it's odd because the strong suit of the defense has kind of shifted. They've actually been getting some pressure on their pass rush, and their run defense has been good enough to be slated as one of the best in the league. So, um, Preet, what do you think of the defense and kind of are we seeing what the defense is going to look like for the rest of the season now? Yes, but the one thing I'm scared about is if you give those underneath passes, you got to tackle the guy immediately. How many times last week did Rondell Moore burn us after the catch? Rondell Moore is incredible after the catch to be he's, fair no, he's always right. good against us only his only two touchdowns in his career have come against us like, <laughs> maybe Rick that's why that I line that. for next game too it's gonna be like two catches for four yards no exactly and Rondell Moore is you know those quick passes if you're gonna give them up sure but you make sure you make the tackle like and Patrick Peterson got a little bit unlucky Rondell he had Rondell Moore's like jersey and it just tore away but I mean if you're going to play that style of defense, make the tackles and make them pay. I mean, unless you face another like team with a bunch of speedy wide receivers, I think you'll be fine. But it, I'm happy. But there's obviously things you can improve on, in my opinion. The, the biggest positive, I'd say, is Daniel Hunter's comeback. Four yeah. pressures, great day. Maybe he's still getting healthy in that by week. Helped him out, too. You never know. Or just Tyler, adjusting to the scheme. Tyler, is this the defense we're going to see the rest of the season? I think I'm not sure if you're going to get constantly good performances like we had last week, but I do think you're going to see the team as a whole, not even just the defense will just be a lot more comfortable with the scheme and the chemistry between players is only going to grow. So I, I think the team is step, you know, taking a step in the right direction here with just how guys are playing right now. And it's, it's encouraging to see. I like the other part of what you wrote. Do you want to break that down quick before you go to, Carter. Oh, yeah, yeah. So my hope, at least, is that the Vikings get red hot in, like, December and January, like the 2017 Eagles did. Because right now, 
So when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, like no one expected it. We, everyone thought it was going to be like Patriots Vikings for that Super Bowl. And then the Eagles just got hot at the right moment. Obviously there was a quarterback. They were a one seed. They were hot all year. But like they, they lost Wentz and there was a lot of questions about them. And this year it's just like, everyone's acting like the Eagles are automatically going to come out of the NFC. And the Vikings always play better when they're underestimated. So we're kind of in a good position where we're about as good, as good as we can be while being underestimated. I mean, I actually really see what you're saying too, because the Vikings are beating teams. They should be whether or not the schedule is easy because people are saying, you know, we're a fake six and one team and that might be true. But if we end the season, what, I don't know, 14 and three, 13 and four, that's a great record. We beat all the teams we were supposed to lost to some really good teams, but if they keep consistent and get hot, like you're saying late, that's the most important factor for me for this team. They just need the to path to a Super Bowl's there. It's there for us. We might not be the favorite, but we have a good chance of making it out of the NFC. I agree. And I feel like the Eagles are also peaking too early, if that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's kind of like um, Arizona last year when they started seven and zero. It made me think of the Panthers when they almost had a season without a loss. What year was that? Twenty fifteen. Carter, talk about it. No, we don't have to talk about it, but it's like uh, you get hot so early and you don't lose, they, and it, there's a lot of no, pressure. They didn't, they didn't peak too early. That team was actually a we, good We lost team. our second to last game of the season. Right. So maybe yeah, it was the, the, not Saints, the best right? example. Falcons. In Falcons. Was interdivision. And then two points about the Eagles, too, is one, Jalen Hurts has been playing incredible, but it, at the end of the day, he is still a young quarterback. He is still prone to making mistakes. And all it takes is one game to where – Shake his confidence. You have a really good defensive game plan that one of these teams on their schedule comes up with, stops the Eagles, and then NFL is a copycat league. So then they're going mean, to be that's challenged what happened schematically at some point later in the season. Yeah, not to get too inside the Eagles here, but I don't agree with that because they can beat you in so many ways. They can go through the air with Brown and Smith. They can go on the ground with you know all the weapons they have there. But I, I don't know. I think we should pivot. Like We're, yeah. we're not an Eagles podcast, I guess. No, I, I had my finger ready on the trigger to mute both of you because we almost went down another derailment. Um, just to wrap up the whole defense talk, Carter, you wrote <laughs> Pat Pete revenge game was spectacular. I 100% agree. He was excellent, but is that the only thing you saw from the game? And you can break that down if you want. Probably my biggest takeaway was, you know, it was just kind of fun to see whenever you see anybody going up against their former team. Right. I guess I really would have liked to have just seen just a little bit more from the defense, considering you have the Buffalo Bills looming over your schedule. Yeah, I was going to add a caveat before you go on. We were talking about how they were good. I mean, they still let DeAndre Hopkins get 159 yards. And there's some worry that these receivers are really shredding us. I mean, Tyree Kill had, what, 177, pre. You had the number before. 177. But here's the thing is, it didn't feel like 159 yards, if that made sense. That's almost a problem, though. Because the thing is, the Bills are the nightmare team for the Vikings. You have a running quarterback who can run you inside and outside, and you have just a stud receiver who can tear you apart with yak and rack. Yak and rack. All right. Anything else you guys want to touch on before we move on to talking about the commanders? I was just going to say, if the run game keeps improving like this, you know, we were talking about maybe restructuring Coast contract or even getting rid of him with that opt-out. 
if he keeps producing like this, I don't think I think you have to keep him. I think I think there were problems, and I think we're solving them mid-season because the run game has been pretty damn good for a couple of games now. Can I also ask like a, a slight question? And this, I, I promise it won't go too long. I just wanted to pose the question: Who's a who's a better offensive tackle at this point? Is it Brian O'Neill or is Christian Darius? I think it's one hundred percent Darius. I think it's got to be Darius too, at least this season. Darisaw. Brian O'Neill's having, you know, we've talked about a little bit, a bit of a down season. He's still good, very good. But Darius has the size, and he's been just dominant. I think he just had like two bad games. Yeah, been... no, he hasn't been bad. Actually, our O line statistics have been pretty impressive. If you exclude Ed Ingram. And, I mean, he's a rookie. you got to give him some slack. At what point do we start giving credit to Garrett Bradbury, though? Because Bradbury's been great. Been yeah. giving credit. I think it's the scheme. It definitely helped everybody out. I Honestly, yeah. I thought the, I would, I I'll have he, to look more into it because I want to see exactly what changed. But Guards. He got competent guards around him, too. Yeah. He's not the scapegoat uh, Ingram is now. That's got to feel good for Bradbury. You think that defenses are just targeting Ingram instead of Bar- Garrett yes, Bradbury because he's the weak spot now? That's 100%. part of it. That's what they lined up JJ Watt over Ed Ingram almost every single play. Um, they also, week one, the Packers identified it. Both their sacks came the way of uh, lining up either Clanny Clark or Rashawn Gary over Ed Ingram. So, yeah, teams are definitely picking on him more than anyone else. Honestly, There's it's that, good that Ezra, too, him. has been pretty good. So then you have to kind of target that area. O'Neal's kind solid. Derisaw is really good. It's incredible Ezra's how little we've heard about Ezra. Like, that's a good thing, I think. That's a great thing. You don't want to know the names of your guards, as someone once said. <laughs> Mike Remmers. Oh, well, he played tackle, didn't he? No, he played guard his second season in Minnesota. Okay. So when he came back from his injury, he played guard, too. All right, let's move on to previewing the upcoming Commanders game. I don't want to stick on this too long. We'll talk about the game a little bit, see what we predict, what we might see, and then predict some scores. But we'll talk about it more on the review episode. We're going to try a little bit different format. I just want to know, and I think, uh, Tyler, you wrote a lot here. I'll start with you on this one. Are the commanders, like, sneaky good? They're 4-4 four and four in a really tough division. Um, they have two pretty bad quarterbacks they've been playing. I don't know if Heineke can be considered good or Wentz. So what's the deal? Is it just the Riverboat Ron effect? Do they have a good coach? Or what about this team should we kind of anticipate and be worried about? It's not like they're the best team ever, but they're a team that has a distinct identity and they know who they are and they know exactly what they're going to do to beat you. I think a lot of teams like underestimate them. Remember, this this team beat the Packers. Like, you know, if, with Heineke under center against the Packers defense, which is still really good, really talented players like they beat them and you know and we love that i i'm not sure if they're sneaky good because i don't want to say they're good i just think they have a good sense of what their identity is uh they heineke's a good game manager you've got three running backs that are that are all involved in the passing game you've got mckissick robinson and gibson they have a pretty underrated wide receiver trio they've got Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, and Jahan Dotson. And the only thing that's really bad about them is their offensive line. Their offensive line is terrible. But Scott Turner, son of Norv, he's their offensive play caller, and he has a ton of experience with 
you know, these sort of limited quarterbacks and he knows how to tailor an offense to a quarterback despite their limitations. So like they they'll have those receivers running a ton of intermediate routes. Like they will pick you apart. They'll take what the defense gives them. And for the Vikings defense, that is, you know, very zone heavy. It, their offense might be surprisingly effective. I think their offense is solid. And what you said about the wide receivers, I think is very true. I would have loved to have Curtis Samuel on our team and kind of that Jalen Rager role. If we hadn't gotten him um, by the trade deadline, I'm surprised they didn't deal any of them, but they must be trying to compete here. Preet, what did, what is your kind of idea of what this commander's game could look like? I think Taylor Heineke is one of those quarterbacks. You can never count out. He's such a high variance guy. Either he's going to go 303 TDs or he's going to go like 145 and two picks. Um, I am also a little bit scared of this game as a trap game because, you know, it's really easy in this league to buy your own hype. Look ahead to, you know, Buffalo even and be like, oh, we got to pray for that game. I forgot we were playing the Commanders because I was so into, I was so excited to see the Bills game. But yeah, you're right. It's like this is a trap game because who's talking about it? Exactly, exactly. And Taylor Heineke's won his last two games. Let's not forget that. They're both close games that he eked out at the end, but he's won two of two. And when he's there, Terry McLaurin is such a different receiver. He has implicit trust in Terry McLaurin that he'll throw the ball up and McLaurin will catch it. So you can't sleep on them. I'm I'm kind of nervous with their offense and the weapons they have. The offensive line isn't very good. The Packers, you know, made their day hell. I think Zadarius Smith and Daniil Hunter could figure to have big games too. Kind of upset that this is the game that Dalvin Tomlinson will probably miss, considering he left that game with an he left the uh the last game with an injury, but Hey, you know, you got to figure out how to win without people. We're finally facing a little bit of the injury bug that we avoided for so long. Defensively, you can pick on those corners. Kirk should have a big game. Jefferson should have a big game. Yeah, I think this is a this is a really just a you know, you need to beat this team big and you need to carry that momentum into Buffalo. Carter, do you have any predictions score-wise and maybe what might play out for this game? I think this game is going to be uber competitive, even though it probably shouldn't be. I think the Vikings are the much better team because I really don't see the commanders winning three games in a row like this. I do agree with Preet that this is definitely a trap game for the Vikings. I mean, obviously, we just spent a pretty decent amount of time talking about the Bills game looming on the horizon. But they're really not a bad team. For the most part, they have the same roster, if not arguably better that they had when they made the playoffs in 2020. Now, granted, I believe they made the playoffs with basically a losing record that year. And they're also kind of built like a team that will give the Vikings some problems. They have dynamic receivers who can break out, and they have a mobile quarterback who can torch them too. However, I don't really think that's going to matter. I do think the Vikings are going to win this game. It's just I think this might be one of the more competitive games this year. Um, I'm going to imagine a score of like 31 to 24, 21, something like that, Vikings. Don't forget, Chase Young might be coming back this week. He is coming back. Oh, from- oh my God. Good. Oh, no. Bring it on. Hey, that's Darius' biggest challenge yet. Let's see if it's legit. That's kind of yeah. what I'm excited to see. You, uh, Preet, and then Tyler, you want to give your predictions? Yeah, 28-17. Kirk throws for three TDs, 300 yards. He, he has his way with the defense. You know, I'm going to knock on wood here because I'm not like Matt. And I, hey, I knocked. I, I knocked on wood. My particle board desk. I don't think we have a single moment where we're worried about this game. Bold prediction. 
I strongly disagree with Preet. I think this is a sort (laughs) of surprise, surprise. This is like a for Kirk, this is like a one touchdown, one interception game sort of thing. And like, we're going to get like three or four field goals in this game. Like, I, I guess my biggest prediction though was Hawkinson won't be that involved in the passing game right away but he's going to have a huge impact on the run game. And I think Dalvin Cook and Madison combined for 150 yards rushing. And the final score is 19 to 14 Vikings win. Wait, so even with even with how bad their secondary is and how good their front seven is, you think it flips? You think Kirk just plays poorly and the defense just... Kind of like the Dolphins game effect where like the defense just sort of comes in ranked poorly, but they play surprisingly well. I mean, no, Kevin O'Connell said that was just a scheme. They didn't expect the Dolphins to go stack the box early. I feel like that's totally different. No? It doesn't mean the passing game is bad if the run game's working. The run game's working. And yeah, I think this I'm... is still a running team at its core. I'm not going to lie. Uh, yeah, this... so I, I just expect kind of this to be an older, old-school game almost. Just a lot of field goals, a lot of running the ball. So your final prediction's a dirty win by the Vikings? Yes. I think I predict the Vikings too. Um, so far, our records are as following: Carter's seven and zero in his predictions. Preet and I are both five and two. Tyler, I believe you're three and four. Did you pick the Cardinals last week? Would you have? Well, I wasn't here last week, was I? You still would have made a pick. A pick. Oh, you didn't I make a pick. You didn't make a pick. We can add lib it. We can add lib it if you would have picked the cards. I think you would have based on what we talked about. I have no clue. So right, whatever. <laughs> you're three and four. Who cares? We'll see how that evolves. So far, Carter's just dominating all of us but Carter and his massive intellect over here yeah he guess he he's the least biased so he's actually not, accurate not to comes to my own horn with with that statement there matt but every panthers game so far this year i have gotten right and i predicted my first auburn game incorrectly this weekend for some godforsaken reason i picked auburn to beat arkansas in my head and that did not happen So between the three teams that I have been predicting for, I have only gotten one game wrong. That means you need to keep predicting the Vikings will win because whatever you say goes, apparently. Yeah. (laughs) R.I.P. Brian Harson, by the way. I was going to say there is some Auburn news, but I don't know if we need to talk about it. Uh, For those (laughs) who don't know, I'm a big Auburn fan, but that's all a side story to the love boat here. Do you want to uh, introduce Super Gremlin and we can close out? course so super gremlin is our segment where we basically get an excuse to talk about really whatever we want and it's coined super gremlin by antonio brown referring to himself as that as he stormed out of metlife stadium ending his nfl career now my super gremlin might be a little bit interesting and you really will probably only know about them if you have tiktok but <laughs> they do post it on oh no i think it got retweeted from somebody who posted it on twitter so yeah i think okay. it is only on tiktok so it is spreading a little bit but the buffalo bills social media team might be the <laughs> strangest group of people ever i think it's you know one thing to be like wendy's on twitter you know like be funny and stuff but the bills are basically at this point just shit posting after a win just with meme compilations and just like tiktok sounds over highlights they they just posted a video that the whole punchline of the video was instead of just Thurman Thomas, it was just Thurman Thomas. And they got Thurman, they got him to appear in the video and they yeah, overlook they're looking over the shoulder of their social media manager. It's wild. 
it, it's really the wild west out there. And if you haven't seen the Buffalo Bills TikTok, the app specifically after they win a football game, it is spectacular. And you know I will be sending that TikTok into this group chat when the <laughs> Buffalo Bills beat the Minnesota Football Vikings. I think I'll send I James think Rose. the Bills have gone this direction the moment that Josh uh, – Allen drew that really poor exit, the poor mascot representation of their their logo. Do you remember that when he was a rookie? They had yep. all the rookies draw their mascots, and his was just horrible, and it became an instant meme. So I don't know. There's something about that. I'm very jealous of their connection with their quarterback. Hey, Kirk. Kirk probably got a new like social media manager because he started following people on Twitter, retweeting stuff, meeting up with the. Uh... He did Psycho just put out an ad boys. today as well. So yeah, meeting up with Psycho fanboys, letting them uh, stand on the field. Oh yeah, all right. That's all you need to say about Gotta that. That's pass. all you need to say about that. Jesus. That, Christ, yeah, Tyler. That's what that was. That was implied. We try to be subtle here. Um, no, no, just just throw we're gonna cut you out of the window. Free, free, I'm, free, I'm not about super that. Gremlin. All right, uh, mine is Patrick Peterson. I know we don't usually like to go within Minnesota for our super Gremlins, but this was just so. This was just Chef's kiss. I had to talk about it. Will you describe it a little bit too? Yeah, so Patrick Peterson, you know, longtime Arizona Cardinal, left the team. We all thought it was on, like, somewhat good terms. Apparently not. So during the game, after the Vikings intercepted a pass, they they were all in celebration. Patrick Peterson started dancing before Harrison Smith was even down, which, incredible. Patrick, please go block. Like, Harrison might fumble the ball. We need you to run after him. But he and then after that, <laughs> no, after that, they ran in the end zone. And for some reason, he decides to make fun of Kyler Murray, putting on the fake headset and playing Call of Duty, <laughs> which is just if you know anything about Kyler Murray, that's you know, very it, strong boomer behavior from Pat Pete too. Like just throwing oh, one hundred percent. I love it though. Then after the game, he just fully airs out his dirty laundry with Steve Kimes, the Arizona general manager. He basically said that in his last season, there was a fan, and he called the fan out by name. He talked about you know how that fan had basically said, had wrote letters to Steve Kimes and just saying, Patrick Peterson can't tackle. I'm going to cancel my like season, like season tickets, like shit. Talk about Patrick Peterson and Steve Kimes or someone in the office would print this out and put it on his locker, which like sort of psychopathic behavior, which was incredible. And just, I enjoyed the amount of shit Patrick Peterson got to talk this week. Cause you know, if we'd beat the Cardinals last year and if Greg Joseph made that kick, he would have put on a show over there too, but I'm glad he got it this year. Revenge game for everyone involved. Uh, Tyler, what is your super gremlin? And I'm warning you, please be careful. Well, it's it's the Packers for once again, refusing to acquire a wide receiver before the trade deadline. Um, you know, Brandon Cooks was just asking. He's just like begging anyone to just trade for him, like liking every single fan tweet that says, hey, Brandon Cooks, you should come to our team. I mean, not Packers only that, had it right there. They also Elijah got, Moore wanted to get moved too. Yeah, Elijah Moore wanted to get moved. They got outbid by the Bears for Claypool. Like, it's weird. The Bears, the Bear, the Steelers took the later second round pick too, because at this rate, the Bears might finish ahead of the Packers. Yeah, they might. So, the Packers for not helping their franchise. Packers for being a poverty franchise. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, Packers fans. Co-parter Peter Bukowski. Oh, yeah. Peter, Peter, Peter. Add him when we post the episode. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess we'll wrap it up. I'm submitting Pat McAfee as my super gremlin of the week. Basically, the NFL gave him the rights to 
use NFL media, use NFL content in his podcast. And recently they took away his, you know, his right to use logos. So he comes out and he says, well, maybe this off season, we'll talk more about concussions and insurance and, you know, rules the NFL doesn't want to talk about. So I hope air that dirty laundry. basically are, yeah, air their NFL's dirty laundry. And Pat McAfee is so involved with the ownership and the Colts. And he has so many relationships there that I have no, I would not be surprised if he knows a lot more than even what, you know, a lot of other po- NFL podcasters do. He, he might be for- our biggest rival in the podcast space, basically. Pat McAfee is like the Howard Stern of NFL media. Just like prime Howard Stern would just go off the rails and say whatever. I could see. And it. I think they're kind of, they're afraid of Pat McAfee saying, yeah, he knows they he's got some there. leverage. He's, yeah, he's like popular podcast. He's like the Dan Snyder of the NFLs. I wouldn't compare him to Dan <laughs> Snyder directly, but no, I just wanted to make that joke. I was going to make a maybe you could have Jim Ursa and Dan Snyder in his podcast and just have him duke it out. YouTube boxing match. I would love to hear Ursa's perspective on all this. Um, before we close out, I do want to address we are having Matt Anderson from the Vikings Happy Hour podcast on next week. We might start incorporating guests. We're just trying to feel everything out, maybe get some new fans, but we're excited to have him and we'll have to figure out what format we're going to use on the fly, but probably going to sound pretty similar. But thanks so much to Matt Anderson. Give his podcast a listen. It's Vikings Happy Hour and we are done. Preet, uh, let's hear it, dude. You have just completed your voyage on the love boat. Wow. Wonderful. Incredible. Thank you so much. Goodbye.